You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Welcome, everybody, to NCQA's Inside Healthcare podcast. I'm Frank Mitchke, and I'm joined today by Tom Curtis. Tom is the Senior Manager of Quality Improvement and Program Development at the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. And so he is uh, deep in the weeds of uh, operating a large and growing, as a result of the expansion uh, that Michigan has initiated, Medicaid program. So we are very grateful to have Tom here. He's a member of our Public Sector Advisory Council here at NCQA, and he's agreed to give us a few minutes during our lunch break of the meeting to talk about some of the very exciting things Michigan is doing, particularly around population health and around using HEDIS measures, uh, stratifying them by region, by race, and I would imagine by other factors, uh, in order to identify disparities and address them. So, Tom, thank you for being here. Can you give us a sense just off the bat of how large a program you have? Sure. Thanks for for having me. Uh, I appreciate this opportunity. I always like to talk about what we do every day. Uh, we got a team of dedicated folks that work really hard to improve care for for real people on Medicaid, so um, I always jump at the opportunity to talk about it. Uh, in Michigan, we have uh, a managed care program that's been around for about three decades, so a pretty mature managed care market, uh, about two million Medicaid managed care beneficiaries. Uh, my area manages the physical, mostly physical health. Uh, there is some dental benefit in there, but for the most part, it's uh, physical uh, and dental benefit. Behavioral health is mild to moderate, uh, but it is curved out. Um, we have 11 Medicaid health plans managing this benefit for the 2 million folks. Uh, the variation uh, is pretty big in Michigan. So we have anywhere from one health plan and one regional service area with about 1,500 members to four plans over the entire lower peninsula with 200, 300, 500,000 uh, Medicaid managed care beneficiaries. Before we get into the details on what you're doing with population health, which I think is uh, admirable and, and fascinating. Uh, you did expand the program as a result of the Affordable Care Act and the uh, uh, authority for states to do that. Can you talk to us briefly about how that went, what uh, kind of participation you've gotten from that, and just in general the effect you've seen? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so we did expand. I believe it was effective April 2014. Um, one thing we found happening was people jumped on Medicaid pretty quickly in Michigan. We uh, exceeded all expectations in terms of enrollment numbers, and right now we sit generally around 650 to 700,000 people on Medicaid because of the expansion opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, we do have a healthy uh, behaviors incentive program and a cost-sharing element to our Medicaid expansion program. Um, so we have had to develop ways to monitor um, and incentivize our plans to support their members in these new program requirements because it's very new to come on to Medicaid and to have these additional requirements mm -hmm. associated with keeping health care coverage. Um, it's uh, sort of provided an opportunity for the legislature to work with the executive branch on what the Medicaid program can be and do and mm -hmm. offer to members. Um, so it's been a pretty significant uh, several years of, I'll say, evolution mm -hmm. of Medicaid and uh, and been very revealing, I think, in terms of what the legislature is able to find out and know about yeah. the Medicaid program. So there are, there's definitely some positive trends beyond just in expanding coverage for yeah. folks. That's great. Yeah. Uh, transparency is helpful to everyone throughout, whether it's the legislature, yourselves, or, or the beneficiaries. So yeah. 
Um, well, tell us more about um, what we've teased here a little bit around um, the program's use of population health concepts and particularly stratification of HEDIS data in order to get at some of the disparities you've seen. Sure. Uh, so this actually starts probably eight years ago. Um, uh, the, before I got to the to the department, they w uh, the team was collecting HEDIS measures and actually asking the health plans to take their heat audited HEDIS rates and break them up by race ethnicity. So we create there was a program template created and they had to fill it out and submit. I think it was 13 HEDIS measures stratified by race ethnicity and submit to the the department and the the, the department would analyze them based on uh, racial disparities. So they started publishing them in what we call our Medicaid Health Equity Report. So we've been publishing these trends of quality outcomes as it relates to race ethnicity for eight years now in Available Michigan. publicly, I Avail imagine, if Available folks want to look it up. Yep. yep, so the same website that we put our HEDIS aggregate reports, our HEDIS our, uh, technical reports, our CAPS survey outcome reports, we put the Medicaid Health Equity Report. It's all an in-house uh, report. Uh, but we would send one to each health plan so they would know how they're, they're uh, performing on racial disparities as it relates to these 13 HEDIS measures. Uh, then we would do sort of an aggregate program report that we would publish online um, that would show how the program itself was doing. And we would, we would create these graphs, essentially, that would show the diabetes testing rate amongst white folks, amongst Hispanic folks, amongst, uh, amongst black folks, and then compare them to the program average in the HEDIS 50th. How was that received, uh, whether by the plans or by the public, or it, did it did it make much of a ripple, or was it just one more um, thing they had to submit? So interestingly enough, the first couple years, uh, you know, it was uh, it, it took about four years to get some traction, so that folks could say this is no longer a, an anomaly, right? This is this is a trend now. It's been three or four years, and this is a trend. Um, and the program, the quality program itself, started putting these measures on the on the bonus withhold. So this is so this has been going on for about four years. But that's when it really started to go on the incentive pool for health plans to start performing as it relates to these racial disparities. Can you describe that incentive? I think um, some folks may be familiar with these withholds um, for as part of the managed care contracts. But if you could describe it briefly, sure. Uh, so ours is a capitation withhold. So what we would what we set our rates at for our health plans. And what we would otherwise give them 100% of to say this is the money that we've calculated that you need to provide health care coverage for, uh, for your folks, uh, we're actually going to keep 1% of that. And we would keep 1% from every single health plan and create a bonus pool, if you will. Uh, and then we can use that bonus pool to incentivize their behavior. And one way we do that is we select key quality measures that we know need improvement on and set uh, benchmarks for them to meet and we we use the HEDIS measures and we use the HEDIS benchmarks so we say if you hit the 50th you, and I'm simplifying it here but if you hit the 50th percentile on this measure you get one point if you hit the 75th you get two points and then all the points add up every every point is worth money and all the points add up to what uh, each health plan can sort of take home from that performance bonus pool um, so that's a simplified version sure. I think of, of that um, but we added an element to say, if you reduce the racial disparity in chlamydia screening for women, for example, uh, then you're going to get more points than the other health plans. And so it becomes a competition to reduce uh, the racial inequities in health care and, and quality measurement in our Medicaid program. And I know uh, from talking with you earlier on this, um, as a result of 
Well, I, let me say, start with this. You saw disparities, as we would imagine, but you were looking at them uh, more on a statewide basis, and um, that uh, may or may not have really uh, elucidated the issues. Uh, is that fair to say? Uh, I think so. So if I could go back to the report sure. briefly, um, one thing we, we noticed was the report was becoming another report. Um, and so we actually... Uh, just recently, I think about three years ago, started moving our report up to the leadership of the department the same way that we move the HEDIS aggregate report and all other important reports. Uh, so the memo has to be signed by the division director, by the Medicaid director, by the, the director of the department um, to say, yep, this is the report, this is what it says, and I'm passing it on to you. Um, so it was sort of a way to force everybody to read mm -hmm. the report before they sign the memo and pass it on. Um, I thought that was a pretty, it sounds minor, but I think it's a pretty significant uh, thing to do. So people did start uh, paying attention at the high, highest levels of the organization. Um, but one thing we noticed was these are pretty ingrained, big problems. When we talk about black people and white people experiencing health care very differently, and black people, for the most part, that's what it was in Michigan. What it's what it is, um, experiencing at disproportionately lower rates. This is clinically required healthcare, and um, because of race, there's a big difference in who gets it and who doesn't. Um, and it's not one health plan that can solve that kind of issue. Uh, so we started to step back, and around the same time, we had created the capabilities to start pulling HEDIS measures right out of our data warehouse. So we had a, a HEDIS rules engine. Uh, we started pulling these rates out of our warehouse and, and started thinking through how we could look at this data in maybe a way that, that the aggregate report doesn't look at it. So we started stratifying it by region. We have 10 regional service areas in, in our state and seeing if we could come up with uh, disparately low performing regions in these quality measures. And we started stratifying them by race ethnicity and started seeing if the trends that we're pulling out of our warehouse are the same as what we're seeing in the audited HEDIS data. Then we sort of combined those two, uh, and we needed an issue. We needed a, a policy issue or a quality measure that we could really try this and test this and experiment with. Um, and one of the issues that always is part of the conversation and has been part of the public health conversation for a long time is infant mortality, uh, and specifically the racial inequities in infant mortality. So we said, let's, let's attack that. And we have a CMS core set measure that's low birth weight rate. Let's see if we can pull that low birth weight rate out of our warehouse, validate it with our health plans, and then start looking at it by region and by race ethnicity within each region. It's very interesting and it really drives the conversation and it drives the, the outcome, which I'll talk about here in a second, sure. how, how we look at data. So when we pulled low birth weight rate by the entire state, so we could take our Medicaid low birth weight rate, we could compare it to the commercial rate, for example. We'd probably be looking at something around 9 or 10% low birth weight in the Medicaid population versus 6 or 7 in the commercial population. If we were to take it just by region and say, what's the Medicaid rate just by region, and look at you know, city of Detroit, for example, which is a significant Medicaid population in region 10 in Michigan, we saw about 11% low birth weight rate in the city of Detroit relative to an 8 or 9% uh, rate. So not what state. people might have expected. People yeah. might have thought this is a lower income area. We're going to see uh, more prevalence, significantly, significantly. more prevalence right. of I think low birth weight. For, for some reason, we were just like, it's not 
that's a gap. Absolutely, that's a gap, and that's an you know unexcusable gap. But we just weren't convinced that that was telling the whole story. So then we looked at race ethnicity within each region, uh, and what we found was half of our regions, about half of our regions, um, had a uh, low birth weight rate in the black population of 14% in Medicaid versus uh, a rate rate in the white population of 7%. So this is the same region, the same health plans, Medicaid population, so income is controlled, uh, and we're seeing a double, uh, a rate that's double um, based on race. And we created a, a bonus program. We said we're going to hold some of your, your money. Uh, using the 1% already? Using some already, of the 1%, okay. right? Yep. So we, we split the 1% up pretty mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty heftily. Uh, we have probably six or seven programs in that 1%. Um, so you create a pie chart and we split it all up. Sure. Um, but it runs about, uh, last year it was $65 million, the bonus pool. But the year before that it was eight, $80 million, uh, For the whole for the whole bonus mm-hmm. pool, so you know we can split it up, and they fight for every penny. So yeah. it's almost almost doesn't you know matter how much, how big or small you make yeah. the pie slice, they're going to work. Yeah, they want it. their percentage. They, of they consider it, it their money. Yeah. This is, this is yeah. my money. I should yeah. have gotten it. Um, so they'll work hard. Um, but we created a bonus program to say you're going to look at your own data, you're going to look at uh, your own communities, and you're going to take into account what we've told you about these regional rates. Uh, and you're going to come up with an intervention, and you're going to have to work together in these regions. Um, one thing we didn't do is measure it by health plan. We did not measure low birth weight by, by health plan, and that's usually how we approach measurement, right? We say we're going to hold this health plan accountable for this rate because they're their members, and that's all they can control. Yeah, you're um, doing well, and you're doing poorly. Yep, and yep. Um, and we didn't go that route because we wanted to approach it from a population health lens. And we, you know, we just said the way we're measuring it now isn't working. It's not moving the needle on population health. So how do we measure it differently to create a whole different conversation and a whole different approach? So we kept it at the, the regional level, and, and we required health plans to work in specific regions. We said, you're going to work together in this one, and you're going to work together in this one. Um, and I was saying in the room, we built this huge, long three-year timeline because we, we expected them to push back. We expected them to say, how are you going to come up with all the reasons why this couldn't or shouldn't or wouldn't uh, work? Um, but lo and behold, uh, they really cut off our, our most recent meeting short to ask if they could just come together and start working in their, in their teams in their region. Um, so it really came from them, mm-hmm. um, and we just kept pointing to the data and telling them that this is a big problem, and we get it. We're, you know, No one organization caused it, and no one organization can solve it. Um, but we have to do something, and we have to start somewhere. Um, you know, our thing was we are no longer admiring the problem. That's what we kept saying. Uh, so, uh, I think in general, government spends a lot of time admiring problems <laughs> that maybe need solving rather than admiring. Yeah. That's a really interesting way of putting it. Yeah, Tell- we we um, you know this is an issue that you know our, my team and my team is uh, predominantly women women of color. So I think that. That's something to be said, right? Mm-hmm. If, if it was a team of white people, I don't, I'm not sure. If left to my own devices, I'm not sure that this would be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is happening, and we're proud of what we're putting together, and, and we're proud of our plans because they're they're approaching this and they're talking about hard things like race in the context of state governments. That's that's an interesting hard. point. I wanted to follow up on briefly was. Um, you talk about the relationship between Medicaid in Michigan and the plans in a really 
um, positive way. And I would dare say that's not always the experience, either for the plans or for the Medicaid uh, programs. Uh, Have you found some secret sauce? I mean, clearly financial incentives work, but even those can get thorny and can get uh, can make the relationship sometimes more difficult. What do you think it is that makes it work in Michigan? So I have heard that we're a little different than some other states. Um, one thing we do is we, we meet with our plans all the time. We're talking to them all of the time, at least once a week, if not more. Somebody from Medicaid is meeting from with some level of the organization, whether it's the CEO or the CFO or the QI directors or the government liaisons, we are constantly in contact with their organizations. Um, When it comes to creating performance uh, improvement programs or performance bonus programs, we are very collaborative in that we know we don't have all the answers and we aren't the ones on the ground with this and we aren't the ones at full financial risk for, for what's happening. Um, but we are the ones that uh, are stewards, if you will, of Medicaid beneficiaries. And so we throw out concepts. We say, here's our idea. We are committed to it. We're not backing down from this idea, but we don't exactly know what this means to you or how, how to go about implementing it. And we just start throwing out ideas, and then we ask for their input and their feedback. And at the end of the day, we co-create. Really, we co-create the, the bonus programs that go into the contract, um, and we make sure they're very clear. Uh, we are very clear to them and they understand what we're expecting. Um, my thing I always tell them is I want you all to win. I want you all to get 100% because that means people are getting better care. So I, I'm not in the business of making one health plan win over another. I'm in the business of all of them winning. Um, so if everything's clear and then we offer them opportunities to pre-submit, get our feedback on submissions before they submit a final for scoring, uh, have TA calls. We just really offer a lot of opportunity for them to sort of pilot their ideas or questions to us, and then we, we respond, and we, we catalog them all so that we're sending all of the responses to everybody, and that's the same. So we're creating some consistency. <laughs> Otherwise, we can say an answer to one plan and then say a different answer to another plan, and that, that compromises trust. So, it, you know, we take trust very seriously, um, you know, and we, and we stand up for what we know we need to stand up for, and and they respect that. Um, wow. And when they make a big sort of stance against us, we listen. Yeah. Because the, if there's a really good reason or a really good recommendation, we have to take it. Um, so, that's really Well, the Michigan model sounds like it has a lot of promise. Uh, and uh, specifically on the population health and the low birth weight uh, pilot, when will we have results? Uh, so interventions uh, are scheduled to be proposed in May. Uh, and then they'll start this fall uh, and then run for, I think, two years. Um, but we have sort of a, what is it, PDSA uh, process for them. So they set up six-month increments of measure, and then they say, here's how we did on that, and here's what we're going to do differently. So we'll start getting results, you know, less than a year from now uh, in terms of what they're doing and how it's performing. Well, it's very exciting. We cannot wait to hear those results and hear, um, importantly, what changes are made midstream to uh, get at the result I think we all want, which is a healthier, um, safer population. So Tom Curtis from Michigan Medicaid, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and good luck with all of these initiatives. Thank you, Frank. 